0: a uh, behavior analyst and personal trainer, mom of three living in the Bay Area, California. How are you? Happy 2022. We're about a week in now and uh, hope everyone is doing well and safe. We all have COVID <laughs> and we're all in a food coma. Um, this is it. This is life now. So we have to find a way to care for ourselves hard, right? Because it's clear that things are always going to be a little wild from here on out and we cannot delay caring for ourselves. There's not going to be a time when we have a cordial invite to self-care. We're always going to have to carve out that space even in this craziness. So today we're going to be talking about motivation and... This is seen as something that's so necessary to be successful on a fitness journey, right? This is something that people think, I just I just lack this thing that other people seem to have that is keeping me from meeting my goals, right? So in behavior analysis, we talk a lot about motivation and the different kinds of motivation. And uh, this is called establishing operations. And these are really an emotion or a stimulus that is going to prime you to want to engage in a behavior or can also prime us to not want to engage in a behavior so what can happen is you feel hungry right this is motivating you to engage in the behavior of going into the kitchen and grabbing some food you know your partner is upset with you this abolishes right or inhibits your desire to call them because you know that potential Uh, and a a potential aversive stimulus is waiting for you (laughs) Uh, so really when people say oh I want to be really motivated to engage in you know a a workout plan I want to be motivated to engage in my health and what I do is I really want to focus on all right let's talk about the other things that you don't love to do in your life but that you do anyways you know cleaning your house doing work tasks that you don't enjoy why do you want to do those is it because you're motivated to do them So motivation from a layman's perspective, you know, you might say, no, I'm not motivated to do them, but I have to do them. In behavior analysis, I would say, yes, you are motivated to do them because you're trying to avoid an aversive stimulus of having a dirty house or getting fired or, you know, not being a team player at work. The motivation is there. It's just different, right? And usually your Likelihood of engaging in behavior in a behavior is increased when the consequence is going to be immediate or in the near future. And this is the tricky thing about health behavior is that the consequence is delayed. And this is why it makes it really challenging. So let's think about work behavior. If your boss says, I'm coming in six months to check your files, you need to have everything together. You're not going to be motivated to engage in that behavior of getting things together until, you know, month five you know, month five and a half. If you're me, month 5.95. <laughs> um, however, if your boss says I'm coming tomorrow, you're going to engage in that behavior right away, right? It's not because you're motivated from a sense of, I really enjoy this task, I really enjoy this activity, and I want to do it. It's not that kind of motivation. It's a different kind of motivation where you're like, I'm not trying to access reinforcement. I'm trying to avoid punishment. I'm to, uh, trying to avoid an aversive stimulus the problem with health behavior is that even if you show up and you exercise essentially what I'm asking my clients to do is show up and choose to engage in an aversive stimulus for the very delayed potentially benefit of being healthier in the future and I mean now but right a health journey is cumulative it's more about what you do consistently than what you do even at a high intensity intermittently. So I'm asking my clients to come in to the gym, be uncomfortable, be in pain, be vulnerable for a a future promise of better health. This is a hard sell, right? Because it's a really challenging thing to do and there's no really quick consequence for not engaging in that behavior, right? There's not going to be an immediate aversive consequence if you don't work out today at this point I want to make the quick argument that I really don't see fitness as being so one-dimensional that there's only one thing that's beneficial and that's you know physical transformation like the immediate consequence of not working out for me is that I feel more stressed out and I feel uh, more overwhelmed with the just stressful stimuli throughout my day What I want to do is increase the likelihood of my clients engaging in these fitness behaviors by taking something that has such a delayed consequence and shifting the metric that we're using to measure value, that we're using to measure positive consequences so that it feels more immediate. You know, yes, the physical transformation will come in time, but the mental health transformation will come today immediately during and after your workout, right? I'm trying to take something that's so delayed and thus isn't going to be a great candidate for motivation as a tool. And if I can shift it so that people see the benefits as occurring immediately, because we're focused on different benefits versus just losing weight, or building muscle, I can potentially increase the likelihood that they're going to engage in that fitness behavior because that consequence is so salient. It's happening right now. And that's the most important thing for behavior change is that it happens right after you engage in the behavior and it's not delayed. And so, yes, we can look at the long-term benefits that have to do with physical dimensions But we can also focus on how can I remind myself that there are many other benefits that are not related to that that are immediately available when I show up and I engage in this behavior of, you know, self-caring at the gym for an hour every day. But again, there's not going to be an immediate response if you don't engage in this behavior and that's the problem. People are saying, I want to be motivated to work out, but motivation is not going to be the tool you use to succeed at this. Why? The consequences are too delayed. You're not motivated to avoid an aversive stimulus because the aversive stimulus isn't waiting for you right now. It's waiting for you a year from now when you're feeling deconditioned and your body is out of shape and you are having diabetes or other health issues. The consequence is far away right? Uh, You're not motivated to engage in this behavior to access reinforcement because again the consequence is far away you're not going to show up to the gym today and have this uh, perfect amazing conditioned body today. It's going to be three months from now maybe that you're even starting to see the kind of changes that you want to see. So motivation because the reinforcement or punishment is so delayed motivation cannot be the tool you use to get yourself on your health journey and sustaining your health journey when you look at your workplace or your home if you stop engaging in those behaviors that keep those things moving there's an immediate consequence if I don't do the dishes the immediate consequence is I can't use the kitchen as easily I have no dishes to eat off of my house becomes dirty and unsafe potentially There are immediate consequences for that. If I don't do the thing that I was meant to do at work, there are immediate consequences. My boss is calling me. My teammates are asking for something. It's clear right away, right? I can anticipate that there is going to be an aversive stimulus waiting for me if I do not complete this thing that I need to do. So in some ways, it's easier to do those things because A, other people rely on them besides ourselves, right? Abusing ourselves, there's no consequence for that except for potentially way down the road. And B, other people are relying on us to do those things and there are consequences external to us that are going to be aversive if we don't do those things. Thinking about this from an evolutionary standpoint, you consider food access, food availability. If I don't eat this extra food that's available to me right now, I don't know that it's going to be available in the future. I can't rely on... The consistency of knowing what's going to be available in my environment, right? So we evolved to favor short-term rewards over long-term rewards, even if the long-term reward is bigger. People consistently choose a smaller short-term reward over a larger long-term reward in studies and it's because you can't anticipate what that future reward is going to look like. So just acknowledging this is the brain we're born with. This is what we have to work with. It's going to favor short-term consequences, both positive and negative over long-term consequences. It's going to favor uh, external punishments or rewards over internal punishments or rewards as a function of being able to remain in a society which is required for our survival or which at one point was required for our survival as humans. So we're going to have to hack that system somehow because otherwise... We're not going to prioritize reinforcers and punishers that are delayed, which is concerning for our health. And we're also not going to prioritize our own intrinsic reinforcement and our own intrinsic punishers over extrinsic, coming from other people, rewards and punishers. Thinking about how these barriers affect our health behavior, at the most basic level, you're not going to get in trouble with your boss if you don't care for yourself, right? Probably you can still show up as a parent just fine. You can keep the house running. You can do everything that you need to do. The only person that suffers is you. And the question I want to ask is, why is that okay? Why is it okay for you to suffer but not your coworkers or your teammates at your job? I don't want them to suffer, so I'm going to work late and I'm not going to have time to self-care because I don't want them to suffer. Why do you matter less? Oh, I don't want my kids to suffer, so I'm going to spend a lot of time cleaning the house. Okay, it's a good thing, but what about you? You don't want all these other people to suffer, but you're okay with allowing yourself to suffer. Because we live in a society, we care about what other people think. And this often motivates us to engage in specific behaviors. But the problem is that at some point, you lose access to caring about what you think about yourself. You perceive that the only person that suffers if you don't care for yourself is you. But the argument that I'm gonna make is that that's not the case. Because what happens when you suffer is that you're less able to show up for other people. You don't live as long, so again, less able to show up for other people. It causes resentment, not only towards your spouse potentially, but also towards your kids. It makes you less effective at work. It impacts your anxiety and depression, your mental health. There are all of these implications for not caring for yourself. And somehow, especially as moms, we think there's no consequence for this. <laughs> there's no consequence for me not caring for myself and only caring for other people. There's a consequence. Oh, there's a consequence. It might be 20 years down the road. I can't say, right, how, how long people are able to sort of sustain that. But I can promise you there is a consequence. Whether it's physical, mental, psychological, I don't know. It depends on the person, right? What I'm going to encourage you to do is to reflect on why you want to show up well in all of these other domains and why maybe it doesn't matter to show up well in the domain of self-care. Even if there were no negative consequences, even if you could sustain it for your whole life, Why is it okay? Would you suggest this for your child? You know, would I tell my son, sorry, I know you're a stressed out dad, but figure it out. You're just going to have to white knuckle your way through. Your kids come first, your spouse comes first, everyone else comes first, and you're not going to have time to take care of yourself, and that's just the way it is. Would I ever say that? Right? If you're not going to suggest it for your kid, you shouldn't be suggesting it for yourself. So I'm going to give you a few strategies here for when you've lost motivation, which honestly, motivation is, it was never really there. It was a, a desire to do something, a desire to access some kind of reinforcement, but it was never enough fuel to actually push you through to the finish line. Motivation is only meant to start you on your journey. It's not meant to sustain you. It's just a tiny bit of gas in the tank. We already know why we're inclined to do this. We already know that evolutionarily we're set up to do this. We already know that a lot of our family systems support this model because it benefits the other people in the system. But we need to change it. This has to change. Moms are not doing well. This is an outdated brain system that is encouraging us to ignore long-term consequences we've got to find a way to change this model so that we can sustain this in a healthy way for the lifespan motivation will be a temporary tool that you can use in the beginning of your journey to get your journey started motivation may be there initially and you can use this to your benefit because you can you can get the momentum going you can get the ball rolling and get started But know that it's just going to serve you in the beginning. It's not going to sustain you over time. Right? That gets you to the point of reaching out to a trainer. It gets you to the point of signing up for the gym. It gets you to the point of buying some healthy ingredients or looking up a healthy recipe. That's all. Everything from there forward is just you showing up anyways. People who are successful in their health and fitness goals have no more motivation than you. I can promise you that. They have no more, they have no secret surplus of motivation that nobody else has found a way to access and they just have some special superpower of being motivated all the time. They do not. 95% of the time I don't want to go to the gym. It helps that I like the workouts that I'm doing, but would I rather just be on the couch? Eating a New York Super Fudge Chunk Ben & Jerry's pint? Yes. 100%. Every day. It is not about motivation, okay? So here are some strategies that you can use when you have lost motivation, which I promise you will happen almost immediately. So Mel Robbins is a writer and speaker, and she has a strategy. I'm not sure if she has a specific name for it, but essentially it's you count down from five, and when you hit one, you do the thing you said you were going to do no matter what. So I do this in the morning. I'm, I'm waking up earlier and earlier. Uh, I find I'm more productive when I wake up earlier in the morning. So the snooze button goes off. You do not want to get up. This is miserable. I hate this. I don't want to do it. You tell yourself, you know, you have five seconds. Self, you have five seconds to lay in this nice, warm, cozy bed. And when you hit one, you get up no matter what. Five, four, three, two, one. That's it. Then you get up, no matter what. Same thing, the other day I did this before going into the gym. I was sitting in the car, scrolling on Instagram. I didn't want to go into the gym. I counted down from five, and when you hit one, I'm up. You don't think about it anymore. Do I want to go? Do I not want to go? I don't feel like it. I just want to go home. You don't think. You just do. You simplify it. You count down from five, and when you get to that one, you do it. The next strategy I want you to use is foresight. I want you to anticipate barriers and plan for them. I want you to think to yourself, how am I going to feel tomorrow morning? If you're not a morning person, maybe going to the gym in the morning is not the thing for you. Be super honest with yourself about who you are and about where you come into contact with challenges. Don't tell yourself that you're going to have some magical fitness motivation in the morning that's somehow going to make you less tired than you were today when you woke up. It's not going to happen. Tomorrow, you're going to feel exactly the way you felt when the alarm went off today. So if you are not a morning person, if you already struggle to wake up in the morning at your current time, waking up earlier in the morning is not going to be the thing for you, at least not right away. You can shape your behavior over time to get there, but it's probably not going to be sustainable right away. Anticipate barriers. Oh, I usually binge at night after 8 p.m. Okay, here are three strategies I'm going to use to prevent that from happening. You're being super honest with yourself. You're thinking about the, the obstacles that are for sure going to pop up, especially if you're a parent and you're already, before it's even happened, you've already devised some strategies around them so that when they do pop up, you're ready, you're good. You have other options. You have replacement behaviors. You've identified some strategies that you know are going to help you be successful. Behavior change. So we've talked about these before. This is the list of behaviors that you need to engage in to reach a final behavior. So meal prepping requires many, many behaviors. It's not one behavior. It requires shopping behavior, requires chopping vegetables behavior. It requires cooking behavior. There's a 100 behaviors that go into just this one task of prepping a meal, right? You wanna shorten them as much as you can. So I know when I get home from work, if I'm tired, I'm going to try and shorten that behavior chain by making sure the protein is thawed and I have my veggies chopped. That's it. I've taken two steps away from the long list of other steps that are going to be required to get from A to B. B is having a final cooked meal. A is me hungry, right? If I can have the, the protein thawed and chopped and marinating, even better, How can I shorten those behavior change just a little bit here and there so that it's super easy for me when I'm in that moment and I'm thinking, I'm hungry and this needs to be fast. Uh, Changing your self-talk, so refusing to engage in an internal dialogue or conversation about whether you will or won't do this thing, right? When I'm in the car and I'm like, oh, I don't feel like it. I don't wanna go today. Do I need to go today? I could go a different day, right? Once I'm negotiating with myself, it's over. Once I've given my permission, myself permission to not do it, it's over. I'm not doing it, right? So I'm not even engaging in those conversations with myself. I've identified this as a behavior that I need to engage in if I want to live a values-based life. And one of my values is physical health, right? And also my psychological well-being really hangs on whether or not I go to the gym, right? So it's not just physical health. It's also my mental health relies heavily on my ability to get some of these endorphins flowing through my brain. So I don't engage in this conversation about whether or not I'm going to do it. I've already chosen to do it. I've already set a goal to do it. So I'm not going to have that conversation, right? And at this point I can engage the 54321 trick. I can just end that internal conversation and get up and go. I can do whatever I want to do, but acknowledging I've already made the decision to do this so I don't need to rehab this conversation, right, with myself every time before I go into the gym. Do I want to? Do I not want to? I'm doing it. I said I was and now I'm doing it. That's it. Picking an appropriate level of challenge, right? It needs to be something sustainable so that it doesn't negatively impact other value areas. If you go from never working out to working out two hours a night right after work when you would have been hanging out with your kids, making dinner, doing homework, this is not going to work because now it's negatively impacting other value areas, right? You care about those values too, and now you're having to sacrifice one for the other. We need to be smarter about the way that we're combining values, right? Maybe it's a two birds with one stone thing where we can mix these things together. You can spend time with your kids and work on your fitness at the same time. Maybe it's fitting it in at a different part of the day. Maybe it's being strategic about how often you're training and adjusting your food take intake accordingly. Right? But it can't negatively impact other value areas, other highly valued areas. So the last thing is releasing the focus on the outcome. Right, Continuing to engage in the process goals and acknowledge that your body will adapt as it needs to. Body recomposition takes time. Fat loss takes time. If you are continually focused on the outcome, it can be very punishing because you think it's not working, it's not working, it's not working. Instead, focus on the process, right? You and your coach together will identify whether it's truly not working. If you've been doing the same thing for three months and you are 100% adhering to that plan and you are being so honest with yourself about that and you're not sneaking treats here and there and you're not cutting your workout short, like you are really following that plan perfectly and you're seeing no changes by every objective measure that you're using, absolutely you need to change your plan you don't need to throw the whole thing out but you absolutely need to tweak it the problem is that just like following a prescription if the doctor says take this for 10 days and you take it for eight and you don't get better it's impossible to know was there a problem with the medicine and it didn't work or was there a problem with the implementation of that protocol because you didn't take it the full 10 days so once you create a plan you want to adhere to it pretty closely. You don't have to be perfect, especially if you're still making progress, right? You can make progress without perfection. But it has to be 80%, right? It's an 80-20 rule. You really want to adhere at least 80% and only adjust as needed if you're adhering. If you're not adhering 80%, this plan could be a great plan. But the adherence is the issue. The fidelity is low. There's no way to know why you're not seeing progress. So when you get started, I encourage you to release the focus on the outcome so that you can put your head down, focus on the process, and get into a good routine, a good disciplined routine of following through and implementing the protocol with high fidelity. If after six to eight weeks there are no objective changes by any measure, then you want to look at your plan and have a conversation. But until you release your focus on the outcome, it's really hard to show up for the process because you're continually thinking, is it working? Why isn't it working? I should quit. I'm putting in all this effort and nothing is changing. And then you end up quitting before you would have seen results. Focusing on the process allows you to stick it out long enough that you actually get to see yourself move towards that outcome. It doesn't mean ignore the outcome completely because you would never stick with a plan that's not effective. But at least in the beginning, especially, it's going to take a little bit of time for your body to adapt, right? And for you to start seeing changes. And so you really want to focus on the process during that time. If you are making progress, but it's just slow, again, you want to refocus on the process goals right? And have that conversation with your coach. Is this a normal rate of progress or is this too slow? Because I feel like I can raise my level of challenge a little bit, right? But we're not trying to go hard, restrict to work your ass off in the gym and then you're starving and then you're miserable and you can't do all the other things that are meaningful for you in your life. This is silliness. If you're working with a coach that's encouraging you to severely restrict your diet, you're working with someone dangerous and you are going to hurt yourself and you're going to hurt your relationship with yourself because you can't sustain that. And when you don't sustain it, you're going to be angry at yourself for no good reason. You couldn't sustain it because it wasn't sustainable. So it's important that whether you're your own coach or whether you hire somebody, you find someone who is in it for the long haul. It's not a quick fix. It's, hey, I'm here to heal your relationship with food and help you reach your goals. But it takes time. So we need to rely on discipline. We need to rely on objective measures. And we need to have lots of strategies in place so that when it's not working in the way that we want or the way that we hoped or anticipated, we can still show up anyways so that it can get to a point where it's working the way we want where we're really seeing it's it's hitting a tipping point now we're really starting to see all of those decisions that we make pay off we're really starting to see the fruits of that labor so those are some strategies if you feel like it's not working when you get started come back to this as often as you need to Remember that motivation will be the thing that helps get you started. So when you do feel a little bit inspired to get something going, act on it so that you can begin to use that energy to set up systems that are going to keep the momentum going even after the motivation is gone. You enlist somebody to help you. You hire a personal trainer. You go to the grocery store and buy healthy food. You do something. You engage in some action. That is going to get the ball rolling and then you can rely on something different. You can rely on discipline. You can rely on systems work, adjusting your environment to help you be successful. You're going to rely on other things in order to keep it going. But you can use that motivation just to get started on the journey. I look forward to checking in next week with some new topics to help 2022 be your most values-based year. As always, please share this podcast if you feel like it can be helpful to any of your family and friends. It's really meaningful to me if you post on social media. Feel free to DM me if you have any specific questions about your situation or if there's anything that I can do to support you on your journey. I work with people both in the Bay Area and outside of the Bay Area remotely and I'd love to be a more significant part of your journey if you feel like that will be helpful. Alright, have a wonderful week and I look forward to you chatting next time.